Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews uh, 13, uh, 1 through 8, and then 15 through 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through Him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that confess His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. So our text today is really kind of the last admonitions that come from the author of Hebrews. And we, uh, we covered a little bit of Hebrews, but not a whole lot. But here on the tail end, the author encourage us, encourages us to do some things uh, in order to keep uh, our lives on track and to keep doing the will of God. And then comes this this idea that has been played with throughout Hebrews. Do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then we're told to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. The fruit of lips that confess His name. This idea of sacrifice comes up several times throughout the book of Hebrews. And I I thought today it would be good to kind of talk about What's going on with this word sacrifice? Uh, The term, it's used in the context of the Bible as it's been used, is often misunderstood in the world we live in today. And I think there is this sense that when a blood sacrifice is made, and and perhaps perhaps this is your understanding of things, it's meant that that there has been this, this idea that when the Hebrew people sacrificed an animal... It was meant to be a substitute. It was meant to be an atoning substitute for one's own shortcomings, one's own sins. Uh, it goes like this. I have sinned, or, or probably even more so, society as a whole has sinned. God demands blood for atonement of my sin, and I don't want to die uh, to give my blood. Therefore, I will kill this animal so that uh, who will stand in my place and thus appease God's wrath and God's demand for blood. And I got to tell you that idea which gets which gets pretty it's pretty standard thinking these days, but it really didn't come about until the 10th century 
Uh, and uh, I forget the guy's name, and I didn't write it down. Uh, I wasn't going to go this route. But, <laughs> but uh, he came up with this idea of substitutionary atonement and articulated that in some of his writings. And it has, it has gained some popularity in the modern era uh, around that. But suffice it to say that for the first, first 1,000 years of... of um, uh, of Christianity, Christ's sacrifice on the cross did not mean that. And certainly going back to the Old Testament, it doesn't, the, the idea of blood sacrifice does not, uh, does not really gel with that idea either. It's really not what's going on. First, in the Old Testament, while the idea of blood sacrifice, it was certainly going on there. And that may sound, it may, it feels a little repugnant to us these days, but it needs to be understood in its own context, in a context of people who were intimately acquainted with their food and where that food came from, right? They didn't go to the store and buy steaks wrapped in cellophane and, uh, you know, with great marbling and all of that. Uh, they raised a cow from a little calf, and then they slaughtered that cow if they wanted to eat meat. And uh, it was done in the context of the family. Uh, so if you wanted a steak, you got to help slaughter the animal that was going to provide it. And it was, this was a normal, everyday life thing. You know, we don't, we don't have that kind of relationship with our food anymore. Uh, we're, we're pretty far removed from those uh, from those things but it was a common everyday occurrence although I should say there was not a lot they didn't do that as often they didn't eat meat as often as you and I do I can tell you that right now it was a it was a special occasion when a cow was slaughtered and eaten so the fact that animals were killed for food and in fact the killing itself was was a pretty common experience so it wouldn't have been as I guess gross to, uh, to be offering an animal at church because <laughs> it happens all the time at home. Why not, right? The second thing I would say is that there were two things that are important in initiating and maintaining relationships not only between people, but this ultimately extends to God as male. And that's, that's the, uh, the giving of gifts and the sharing of a meal. I cannot, I cannot really emphasize enough to you how important these two elements were in the culture of uh, the Old Testament and in the culture of first century Christian, uh, Jewish Christianity. Uh, the giving of gifts meant that there was some kind of relationship going on between people and the sharing of a meal was perhaps the most intimate thing you could do with your clothes on uh, together. So it was a really important part of their culture uh, and the culture that was shared there. And so when it comes to one's relationship with God, and when the Hebrew people wish to appeal to God or say thank you to God or atone for one's sins and say, I'm sorry, God, and ask forgiveness, one did it through the giving of a gift and ultimately the sharing of a meal with God. Right, And thus the sacrifices made at the temple were in fact the giving of their gift to God and the symbolic sharing of a meal. When, when the, 
this is going to get a little gross, but when the animal was slaughtered and the blood was captured and poured over the altar, it was a way of sharing a meal with God in the mind, if symbolically, albeit, uh, in the minds of everyone there, it was their way of symbolizing the sharing of a meal. And then they would often cook the lamb and eat it, <laughs> you know, and enjoy uh, the fruit of that. But they had offered that, that wonderful lamb. Oh, and if you've ever had lamb, oh, it's so good. Uh, I can't think of a better thing to share with God than lamb. So, but uh, as you, uh, that is offered uh, and, and shared, it is as, as though they were sharing that meal with God. So you can see that it is not so much a ritual to appease or calm God's anger as it is a ritual that is intended to bring people into a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. And yet, it seemed to be a constant problem for the Hebrew people of this ritual, this ritual becoming at best empty and meaningless and at worst a means of oppression against God's people. It was this corruption and this use of religiosity to oppress people uh, in the temple rituals and the use of the temple to keep people subjugated that prompted Jesus to call it a den of thieves as He overturned the tables and drives everyone out, symbolically tearing down the temple and its abusive practices. Jesus was saying this, these rituals have become a means of oppressing people and uh, are empty and worthless. And yet it is not only Jesus who pointed out God's displeasure with what the temple sacrifices had become. The meaning seemed to be misdirected at many points along the history of God's people. Amos conveys God's displeasure like this. I hate I despise your festivals and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take, a, take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amos 5, 21-24. Hosea prophesied about what seemed to be missing in the ritual sacrifice. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Hosea 6, 6. Micah let the people know that they were, miss, that they were missing out on what was really important. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 6 through 8. And Isaiah brings a message from God imploring the people to return to the basics of the faithful life without which the sacrifice is just empty. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. 
I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your, land, from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your doings. For before my eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Isaiah 1, 11 through a bunch of other numbers. And now we come to the, to the author of Hebrews who takes a different approach. Saying that the goal of sacrifice, whatever was going on in that sacrifice, has been accomplished in spades through Christ. Whatever your expectation on what a sacrifice was going to do, Jesus did it. That through the lens of Christ's sacrifice, our relationship with God is safe and secure and guaranteed. Therefore, there is no longer any need of rituals and of killing animals. We are in right relationship with God. There is no longer any need for sacrifice of any sort. So skip the sacrifice part and do the other stuff that made the sacrifice meaningful. It was never about the sacrifice. It was about what God was trying to accomplish through the vehicle of that sacrifice. And so our, our author today says this is sacrifice that is pleasing. Through Him then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That's the sacrifice God wants. That is the fruit of lips that confess His name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's all you can give to God anymore. There is no need of a gift except that of doing good to others and sharing what you have and praising God. And these are the things that please God and have in truth all along through through uh, throughout the ages and, and throughout the Old Testament. Did you hear what was said in the earlier text? Amos said, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's what God wanted. Hosea said, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. That's what God wanted. Micah said, he has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wanted. Isaiah said, learn to do good seek justice rescue the oppressed defend the orphan plead for the widow that's all god wanted but it seems like amen it seems like over and over again it became about the ritual and about the sacrifice and people felt that if i just paid for this dove i've done my duty and they've missed the point of the relationship here's my point 
There is something within us as a people that cannot seem to shake the notion that we must do some kind of thing to please God. And if we could just figure out what that thing was to please God, to quell God's anger and displeasure towards us, or to persuade God to help us. What do I got to do, God, to get your help, right? How often do we, you always hear that, you know, get me out of this and I'll become a priest or something like that. Like we're always bargaining with God as if God is desiring that we do something to appease God. Nothing is further from the truth. Our pursuit of the right ritual or the right prayer or the right number of times we have to go to church to be right with God. How many times? Okay. How many times in a year do I have to darken the doors of that church in order to get God, you know, happy with me? Right? How many of you have done those calculations? I don't, don't raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> how many, you know, how many good deeds do I need to do? What do I, give me a number, God. That's all I want. All of that is a distraction from actually living a life with God. It's a, I hate to say this. I'm going to regret saying this. But if you are here at church because you think God requires it, or you are in church thinking that this is going to somehow get you in good with God, you are here for the wrong reasons. You're not, again... This isn't me talking, but you are, not, you are not required in any way, shape, or form to be in church. And you are not going to be any, you're not going to be any more favored of God for having been in church. Church is only a means of nurturing that relationship that you long for with God. And it's my prayer that as you enjoy being here, that as you experience God's Holy Spirit in this place, that your relationship will indeed be nurtured and grow. That as we gather together, that there is something powerful and mysterious about our joined prayers that makes them so that stirs up that Holy Spirit and you feel God's presence. I can tell you right now that church, this is me talking, church is only here for your benefit. And, you know, you can take advantage of it or not. Some of you, I know, a lot of you know that. Right? <laughs> right? You can take advantage of it or not. But it's there for, to, in order to be a vehicle for your relationship with God. Uh, it's only a means of nurturing that relationship. It is not the thing itself. Sacrifice, likewise, was only a vehicle for a deeper relationship with God. But it kept becoming the thing that people focused in on. And the ritual without relationship was empty. So there are no requirements. That's what unconditional love is, amen? There are no requirements. Love without requirements. God does not want to be paid back, and you couldn't even if God did. God doesn't want us to be distracted by our rituals or our sense of guilt or our sense of shame or our sense of whatever. God wants us to pay it forward. You remember this movie, Pay It Forward? What a great movie. 
In this movie, uh, Trevor, the little kid, is given the assignment by uh, his teacher to change the world. Pretty big assignment. And he comes up with this idea of pay it forward. Right? When something good happens, when someone does good to you, rather than paying them back, find three people and pay them back. Pay it forward to them. Do something good. And he says, you know, in the movie, he says, something big. It's got to be something that, that requires something on your part that's a sacrifice, I believe he says, that requires a bit of sacrifice on your part. But to do good to others, and he says, pick three other people and do good to them and encourage them to do good to others. And through this idea, you will change the world. And it's kind of, God is kind of pointing us in the same direction, amen? Do good. You want to honor me? Do good to others and share what you have. And in so doing, you will honor me. And you will praise me. And these are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we are so grateful that you are a God who does not desire that we jump through hoops, that we perform uh, rituals for you. But what you desire is our heart. You desire to be in relationship with us and invite us to be in relationship with You and allow that relationship to transform who we are into people that do good and share and praise You for Your love. May we strive to do so and may we ourselves be a sacrifice of praise to You. We ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen.